Counting down from five, four, three, two. Doors closing. Doors open on the left at George's place. This is George's place. Welcome to George's place. Please use a coaster. Let me get the door. Hold on, hold on. I know, I know, we're about to go live. Yo, get in here. Oh, shoes off, come on, you know better. But it's that time of year again. Can you believe it? Kickoff is right around the corner and the boys of fall are in hot pursuit. We've got the GP family all across the nation standing by and I am pumped. That's right, Vert. This panel should be sick. We're about to go live in five. Oh shit, that's my cue. Four. Here. Three, we two go. Game day is built by George's Place Sports. Proud sponsor of George's Place Media Network. Hello and welcome to George's Place Football Game Day. We are happy to have you all tuned in. And I want to give a special shout out to everyone joining us here at www.itsgeorgesplace.com. Fall is here. We are back! Today, we are bringing you predictions, player expectations, and a special segment for our colleagues across the pond. I'm looking at you, Anfield. Joining me today for this sportscast is our football expert, the king of cool, the ex-flow god, and absolute legend in the making. Please welcome Drama, brother. Thank you for joining us. I wouldn't miss it for the world, Bert. There's an energy in the air today. Can you feel it? It's electric, Bert. Can you believe it? We are back. Nothing better than fall athletics knocking at the door. Woo! I can feel it, man. Let's jump right into our first segment. Let's get some outlook for the upcoming NFL season. Well, let's start with the home team. You know, our Chicago Bears. 8-8 eight and eight last year. What are our thoughts going into the season, Vert? My thoughts for this season for the Bears is... A slight tick below. I hate to say it. We love the Bears, especially being here located on the north side. Am I right, Drama? But uh, I think to eclipse that 8-8 eight and eight season, we are going to need the true QB1, a part of the team, Justin Fields. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree. You know, Andy Dalton had that interview saying it was his time. He thinks that he's ready and this is his moment. But I got to agree with you. I, I don't think that... QB1 will not be QB1 for very long. You know, when I look at this Bears team, I see a lot of talent from from the the DBs to the defensive line, but on the offensive side of the ball, it's really hurting a little bit. Without Justin Fields at the helm, I'm thinking we're going to be just under a 500 season, maybe 7 and 10. How do you feel about that drama? Ooh, it's kind of harsh, but you know, with that extra game, I mean, it could take a big toll on the rest of the team and I, I got to agree with that. Seven and ten does sound nice. You know, hopefully we can get that eight and nine record, maybe go above five hundred, but we'll, we'll see. So obviously, Khalil Mack is still a beast. So you know, for if the games are being played in a defensive-minded uh, POV, 
I think Khalil Mack is going to bring home some W's for the Bears. Yeah, and that's always been the Bears' strong suit, really. You know, getting Justin Fields on the offensive side is kind of put some life back into that group. So hopefully we'll see if this front office really puts, you know, all their eggs in the basket with him, if it can be successful. But the defense for the Bears has never been too big of an issue, you know, at least in, as far as history is concerned. I've got a uh, breakout candidate for you here uh, on our Chicago Bears. I'd like everyone to take a look at uh, at Mooney here at uh, wide receiver. I think if Justin Fields and Mooney can make a nice connection by the end of the season, we're looking at a, a Mooney wide receiver one. And that's right. I said that over A-Rob. Super take. Moving along in the NFL, let's move to the AFC. Let's start off with my brownies. Last year, we were 11-5. and And you know what I'm predicting this year, drama? A 13-4 and season. Let me give it to you. OBJ is healthy. The offensive line is the best in the NFL. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are elite running backs. And our defense got an upgrade, man. The Browns aren't looking so brown and gloomy. I mean, they're definitely contenders, especially with all the pieces that you've added over these years. OBJ coming back is going to be a huge target. Chubb and Hunt coming off of those huge seasons that they both had. They really are in contention for the Super Bowl, in my opinion, this year. I think that our expectation is at least an AFC championship, and uh, we might see the Chiefs there in the playoffs again. Hey, you know, fingers crossed that you, you make it that far. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Let's hear your Colts. Hey, you know, speaking of AFC teams, you got to move over, you know, just a state over to my Indianapolis Colts. 11-5 and five as well last year. I am feeling pretty neutral in the water regarding the adding this extra game. I think they're going to go 11-6 and six this year. Super take. Speaking of other ginger quarterbacks outside of Andy Dalton, we got Carson Wentz behind our quarterback. You know, I feel like both my franchises are just ran by gingers at this point. Anyway, moving on, um, I'm not super confident in him. You know, his term at the Eagles was what it was, and coming under this new regime, let's hope that he can find that form of old. Um, Moving into it, though, the running game is really going to be what we rely on. And then Pittman's really got to break out. T.Y. getting that neck surgery. He's not going to be back till week four. So we got to start off pretty strong moving into the beginning of the season so that T.Y. can begin to take you know more of those receivers to leave Pittman open in the future. But I'm, I'm pretty confident our defense is looking solid as well. We've re-signed some individuals. But overall, kind of a neutral year. I feel like it's just a small stepping year until we really make some dominant moves to get into that contention area that the Browns are at. Hey, the Colts have a great running back stable. You've got Jonathan Taylor. You've got Marlon Mack. You've got Naeem Hines. These guys are killers in the backfield. So I think that with T.Y. out, you guys can lean on the run game, and hopefully that will uh, you can take down those Ravens there in week five coming up, huh? Yeah, really, I hope. And, I mean, it just makes you think with the T.Y. stuff. makes you go back to when Julio was rumored. Oh, how great that would have been, right? Wow. And that's a real wide receiver one there. That's a bad man. Bad, bad man. Speaking of NFL news... Let's now turn to GP Central. Reporting live from Kansas City, outside of Arrowhead, we have Maximus. My name is Maximus. 
Hey, what's up? George's place, or I like to call it George's Palace. Thanks for having me back, boys. As I'm sure you're all well aware of, the Kansas City Chiefs are just up to their pure dominant ways here. Another great offseason. Um, if you watched the Super Bowl, you might have recognized our offensive line was ass. So what do we do to fix it? Fire everyone, get everyone out, bring in a whole new offensive line. Can't tell me nothing. I expect good things, and we keep our precious Prince Patty safe. God knows the world's the limit. We got our usual characters, Tyreek and Travis. I don't need to go into more detail about them. Some people I think you need to keep your eyes on is Mr. Legarius Sneed, the six-round wonder seen around the world. He'll be everywhere making plays, a little Honey Badger 2.0. I just can't wait. God forbid we have to keep seeing Daniel Sorensen on the field. I think uh, one more snaps seeing him on the field. I'm going to drink the more bleach to match his new bleached hair at the ripe age of 33. Gotta love those Mormons. Thinking season long, it's hard to imagine the Chiefs ever not winning by, I don't know, 20. Um, but, you know, some bad weather, some misplays. Nicole Harmon, probably two fumble game, maybe three knowing him. We'll probably end the season, respectively, 14-3, uh, 15-2, get a nice little bye, and, well, maybe we'll see the Browns in the AFC Championship. Who knows? Next up, live from GP Northeast, out in New England Patriots territory, welcome, Finn! Finn coming to you live from Georgia's Place East with the scoop on the New England Patriots 2021 season. Last year they had a bit of a rough go, going 7-9. and nine. Definitely not in the Patriots style the last few years. It was the first time since 2008 that they missed the playoffs. It was also their first season without legendary GOAT quarterback Thomas Patrick Edward Brady Jr. Uh, as a fan, I'm extremely excited to watch him play this year and see how he comes into this role. He's definitely going to be one of the players to watch. Another one would be Jacoby Myers. Last year, he led the team in yards and receptions, although he didn't have any touchdowns, couldn't make it in the end zone. This year, I'm hoping to see him get a few scores. I'm really hoping to see some improvements with the defense this year. The team continues to move past the TB12 era. That was a big transition last year. I think it was a reason why it was really rocky, and I think this year they're going to be much more streamlined you know, in my eyes and, and moving on to a new era in Patriots football. I'm personally predicting between 8 to 10 wins this year. That depends on how fast the team can rally around their new leader in Mac Jones, what he does with the team, and how he keeps guys motivated to keep winning, keep pushing, keep making plays. It's something I'm really excited to see this year. Week 1, Miami, Mac Jones is facing off against his former teammate, Tua Tagaviloa. It's going to be a good matchup, good division rivalry. I'm excited to see how things start to shake out. It's going to be a good year. I'm excited. Go Pats! Next on the show, we're going to dive into the deep end of the SEC and round out with a college football playoff prediction. Welcome back to the broadcast. We are talking about the SEC and the Mizzou Tigers. Vert, what do you think? Our Mizzou Tigers here, helmed by second-year coach Elijah Drinkowitz, has our program on the right track. That being said, 
I see us at a 500 season. Six and six drama. You see us landing there? Well, you know, that is a very realistic thinking. I would say on the hopeful side, potentially nine and three, just looking at the schedule here. But it is going to be a tough one. You know, this this program is rebuilding under Drinkowitz. But like you said, I do like the direction that they're headed right now. It's a it's a positive one. It's a confident one. You know, we got recruits decommitting from Oklahoma. Elijah Drinkowitz has stepped up in recruiting. Like you said, we've got Luther Burden on the radar. You know what this Mizzou team is missing is explosive playmakers. And I know that both of us have been on Luther Burden watch, have we not? Oh, big time, you know. One player to look out for on Mizzou's roster right now is Tyler Beatty. He had a phenomenal week one, and I predict big things for the bell cow running back for our Mizzou Tigers. Next at the top of the SEC, you've got the Empire, the Evil, the Crimson Tide. We have Alabama, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Well, yeah, the Emperor is still on top. Nick Saban's still there. He hasn't been thrown down some ventilation shaft yet. He's still kicking it. He's still kicking butt. And I don't think anybody stands a chance against them in the SEC. We'll have to see how that uh, that freshman quarterback's looking, but he looked pretty good week one. The only people Alabama should be afraid of is... Alabama defense while they're practicing. Alabama has to be the favorite uh, going into the college football playoff. And you know what? If I'm if I'm going into the SEC championship, I'm thinking that that might be the hardest game of the season. And that's factoring in the playoff. Oh, I couldn't agree more. But at the end of the day, Bama's always going to be Bama. I, I don't think that program is really going to shift gears at all until Nick Saban The fabled Nick Saban eventually leaves, but who knows how much longer he has. I'm sure he'll stick around for as long as he's capable and able to do it. Hey, he's the highest paid government official. He's uh, he makes the most money in the state of Alabama. And uh, that's crazy. That's nuts. Now, let's turn to GP Mountain West reporting live from the Rocky Mountains. Dolphin. What's going on, football fanatics? This is Dolphin, the GPOG, reporting live from George's Place 2, conveniently located in Denver, Colorado. Rocky Mountain High, baby. We are drinking the Elia Drinkowitz Kool-Aid out here. Cannot wait to tailgate and tear things up this year with him at the helm. Wanted to start things off by briefly touching on recruiting, specifically talking about Luther Burden, the number one wide receiver in the nation for the 2022 class. Recently decommitted from Oklahoma, Missouri is now the favorite and lean to get him. Super hot take. I absolutely love what Eli Drinkwitz has done here on the recruiting trail. He's really not shying away from the big boys. When Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma used to come a-calling, Missouri would roll over. Not the case anymore. Eli Drinkowitz is motivated and is putting us in the right direction moving forward. And I really do think we'll be able to compete in just a few years here for the SEC East title. Between players like Connor Bazelak, Tyler Beatty, and Kiki Chisholm all having another year under their belt and a year under one of the best play callers and one of the best offensive weapons in the SEC being Eli Drinkowitz. It's very clear that this offense is going to take off this year. I think we have a chance to finish as a top 25 offense in the country and really impress some people and really put up some points in some big games, allowing us to kind of break through that you know mediocre middle of the SEC, middling SEC team and put us in a better position moving forward. Between the play calling, 
and the offense both progressing this year. I fully expect Mizzou to finish well above 500, right around a schedule of 8-4 and four is what I'm currently pinning them at. I think the expectation or the minimum of what people are expecting is 7-5, and five, which is also what Vegas has Missouri at. With that in mind, I think that we do exceed expectations again in year two under Eli Drinkowitz. Past that, now you might be wondering, where do I have Missouri going to a bowl game? Is Missouri going to a bowl game? Yes, they are. Give me the Outback Bowl. Put me down in Florida right around New Year's and give me a team playing like, let's say, Iowa. I want to be Team Bloomin' Onion, Team SEC here. I want the Missouri Tigers blow them out, get the rest of the country some free blooming onions for doing so. So give me a 9-4 and four overall season record with a bowl win down in Florida in the Outback Bowl. Team Bloomin' Onion, Team Missouri Tigers, Team SEC. Let's do it. Now those are some hot takes. Let's get some college football playoff predictions. Drama, what do you think this year for the college football playoff? Well, it's going to sound like a boring one, but I got to go with, in no particular order, Bama, your Clemson, even though they had that tough week one, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. I think those are the programs that truly are the strongest, and Notre Dame always finds a way to work their way in, but... That's that's my prediction. What about you, Vert? College football playoff this year, the landscape might be a little bit different, but I think we're going to have some of the same players like you said. Alabama is a lock. And you know who also is a lock? Is my Ohio State Buckeyes. Helmed by C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day, Ohio State is a football machine right now. They are a factory for talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and I cannot wait to see what they do. So those are the top two, and I think the bottom two teams are a little interchangeable. I love your Notre Dame prediction. Um, I'm going to have to go with Georgia. Georgia looked real good. And then, call me crazy, I want to see Oregon there at the end. So so my four are Bama, Buckeyes, Bulldogs, and Ducks. Well, hey, that's a bold prediction to SEC teams. Let's hope they can do it. Lastly, get ready for our special segment. We know you've been waiting for it. Shout out to our boys in Anfield right now. It's time for our crossover comparison segment. We're about to do a surface-level dive into European football and college football. Make us proud, Drama. Well, as you know, I'm the footy expert here at GP. And over the course of my residency, we have fully embraced the beautiful game Hugo Bonito. Or whatever you call it. Also, we're here to explain what are the comparisons between soccer, the NCAA, and why it's not easy to compare it to the NFL. So let's begin. First and foremost... The SEC, the most competition, the most exhilarating, the most exciting to watch when it comes to the NCAA, that's your Premier League in England. You got six teams, all with a bunch of money, willing to spend that money on their great players. And you got to remember that all these great teams are in a place the size of less than Texas. So that's why it's compared there, because you'll have your multiple schools, you have your Bama, you have your Georgia, you have your Chelsea, both Manchester teams. Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, 
all those big clubs all in one small area, it's got to be compared to the SEC. And thinking of the Premier League, it lines up with the SEC uh, so much because of that bad blood between teams, right? You know, like you said, you've got that Bama in such close proximity to an Auburn, to a Tennessee, to a Georgia, and they all hate each other. That's just how it is in the Premier League too, right? No one gets along. No, nobody gets along, and it really gets feisty, and there's a lot of competition, a lot of physicality, and it's definitely the most enjoyable to watch and my humble opinion. But moving on, we got to go to the second big one, and it's going to be the ACC. You know, they always have their contenders with Clemson, and usually it's not much of a race for any other position other than second. And that's got to be Bundesliga in Germany. Bayern Munich really are a, a one-horse race just about every single season, and they always manage to go far into the playoffs, in the European competition, just like Clemson does. So I think that's the best comparison there to make. And the ACC, like you said, one-horse race, Clemson, and, and Bayern Munich. I totally see that being a great comp. What, what do we got next here? I know we're missing uh, uh, the Big Ten. Where do you see them lining up? So, you know, with the Big Ten, you got a, a couple schools. Really, Ohio State is the dominant one, you can say. And um, maybe Michigan, maybe your Wisconsin slides in there, the Iowa Hawkeyes like to, you know, be feisty once or now and then. But I got to compare that to Spain. You know, you got three big teams, similar to the Big Ten, usually has three good teams in it each and every year. It kind of varies, but Ohio State is always a consistent one. Spain always has those three consistent, fantastic teams in Barcelona, Real Madrid, and then the winners this year, Atletico Madrid, the little brother of the two. But it's definitely the most comparable. You know, there's really only three competitive teams in it. It's not a one-horse race. It's usually a three-horse race. But I would say definitely uh, La Liga is most comparison to the Big Ten. And I really like that. I mean, here at GP, we uh, we love to do El Clasico. We've got uh, Barcelona over here for me, and, and Drama loves to support the boys over in Madrid. Um, and Los it, Blancos. And it's real fun. Um, and I could see that. I could see that heated rivalry, kind of like the SEC, seeing it being with the Big Ten in Spain. I get that. And a lot of people do see Spain as that number two league, right? Uh, oh, yeah. No, hands down. It's definitely the second most competitive when looking at the rest of the field. Moving into uh, another league that's just not competitive whatsoever, we got to talk about the Big 12. You know, Oklahoma has absolutely blown through their competition these last couple of years, and that's most comparable to PSG and Ligue 1 or Ligue 1 in France. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley kind of does feel like that, ooh, we're just, we're always here because we play no one. And that's kind of how PSG feels sometimes. Exactly. You know, just like the German League and Bayern Munich and then France with PSG, these two teams are really the cut above the rest when it comes to the rest of their competition. And they just happen to be playing in another league. So, you have to compare it to a different one. And I would say that the Big 12 is most compared to Ligue 1. It's a easy comparison to make. This might be a tough one. I've, I've got one more football conference that I'm thinking of that might throw a curveball for you. I know you're doing this on the top of your head. What do you think about the Pac-12? I'm going to have to go with Italy and Serie A. Well, I'm going to tell you why, because they've had their historic winners in USC. You know, UCLA likes to pop in. Oregon, as of late, has been a very competitive team. And it's it's a fun 
it's a fun conference because you never really know who's going to show out that year. Maybe Washington does something, you know. May, maybe a number one of these teams that just comes out of nowhere and just spreads the field, just chooses to do something, and that's got to be compared to Serie A because you've got Inter Milan, you've got Milan, you got Juventus, you have your old winners and now your new winners or your old bitter rivalries that are coming out of the foreground. It sort of switches it up each season, but the old winners are kind of getting beat now in Juventus, so it, it's an interesting time. And I really like that comparison, too. I mean, when you think of the Pac-12, you really think of California. And can you get a more California place than Italy, right? They both got the wine going. Like, even geographically, that's spot on. You know, it's kind of tough for, uh, you know, us American Yankees over here trying to watch soccer, trying to figure it out. Excuse me, football. And, and when we think of... Uh, you know, that sport across the pond, we try to compare it to the NFL. And it really doesn't fit, right? Like, these teams are much more of a collegiate feel. You know, even when you watch the games live, they're doing the songs. They're doing the uh, uh, the community of, of, of the sport, which is closer to that college feel. Am I right? Exactly. That tribalism is really, really strong when it comes to how these clubs and how these fans of these clubs, you know, view fanhood and and what it is to be a fan so it's much more comparable to the NCAA and those college sports and just the close proximity to which all these clubs are it's just such a better feel to compare them that way and that's gonna wrap it up here at George's Place Football Game Day brought to you by the George's Place Media Network hosted on www.itsgeorgesplace.com to everyone tuning in live here on our stream we really appreciate that hey cheers to everyone Game Day is built by George's Place Sports proud sponsor of George's Place Media Network and cut and we're off the air man we absolutely murked it uh what did you think of the broadcast did you want to chat it over with a beer i can go grab one yeah i've got three of them strapped up right below the table here let me toss you one yo nice catch let's crack these Thank you for listening to the George's Place Podcast. We are brought to you by George's Place Media Network. This episode is released under a Creative Commons attribution, no commercial, no derivative work license, which means please share, distribute, but do not change. As always, reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at It's George's Place, and you can always find us at www.itsgeorgesplace.com. George's Place Media Network. Well, thanks for sticking around. We'd just like to disclaim that George's Place does not own any of the exclusive license or copyright of the sounds or music used in this production. Furthermore, if there are any questions regarding the fair use of the sounds and music, please have an attorney send us an email at itsgeorgesplace at gmail.com and we would be more than happy to speak on this topic. It's time to shut down the neon light, and please, use a coaster.